Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. It's the time of year when everyone is making plans to hit the road. If you're gearing up to get outside, Amazon Automotive is here to help. Whether you're hitting the beach, the trail, or somewhere in between, you'll find great deals on parts and accessories for your car, truck, motorcycle, or RV. Simply visit us online to customize your vehicle with a wide selection of floor mats, bike racks, camping equipment, power sports, accessories, and more. Get going today at Amazon.com automotive. That's Amazon.com automotive. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Ron and Anian. I've got to concentrate on getting the bolt out, all the time being aware that any mistake, and this is the inches part, any mistake, trying to drill this six millimeter bolt shank out, six millimeters is a little less than a quarter inch, could cost this lady a transmission. If you got a problem, don't care what it is. The car doctor. You know, when I call you, I'm, I'm like at a, at a uh, crossroads. Okay, I'm your guy. <laughs> Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. I think, uh, I think I want to start here today. Uh, hello and welcome, by the way. Um, I want to talk about the 3995 oil change. I've been trying to do this for a while. That's kind of where I want to go with this. What should an oil change cost? You ever think about this? 
I mean, you guys are pretty smart. I mean, look at your taste in radio shows. Here you are. Um, we know you've got good taste. We know you're intelligent. All the choices you have, and you're listening to me. Why did I just hear everybody click off? Okay. Um, you know, what should an oil change cost? What are things worth? We all have a number in our head. You ever notice that? We all have a, uh, and I, maybe it's the human being in us, right? That that preconceived notion of what value is. And, you know, I've never looked it up in the dictionary. I'll have to do that one day. Maybe we can talk about it here, what, what Webster defines as value. But in my mind, value is, you know, when you receive something that meets your particular level or standard of satisfaction that makes you happy, makes you feel like you were taken care of, makes you feel like, you know what, you were treated fairly. Actual price is somewhere in my in my dictionary, somewhere down around third or fourth in the in, in the in the list. So what should an oil change cost? Thirty nine ninety five oil change. It seems like a lot of repair shops are doing them these days. How they are doing them, or I know why, but how they're doing them, I don't. I don't see and why you would want to stoop that low, but you know, that's what they're doing. Let's talk about it. Here's the challenge. You're going to go grocery shopping this week. Next time you're in the supermarket, stop and look at a quart of oil, right? They've got that automotive aisle. Stop and look at a quart of oil. How much is a quart of oil in, in, in your local supermarket? It's easily, I mean, I've seen, yeah, okay. It could be three, $4, but I'm talking a good name brand, decent quality. It's got to be five bucks a quart, right? Four sixty nine, four ninety nine, something like that. Let's call it five bucks a quart. Let's round it off. The average car takes four quarts of oil. There's twenty bucks. All right. So, you know, and the repair shop's going to mark it up a little bit because they got to eat too. But we're going to use twenty. We're going to use five dollars a quart as our benchmark here. A decent oil filter. Oh, I know somebody's going to write me. Oh, Ron, I can get oil filters for three dollars, and they're major. Yeah, okay. I'm talking on average. Five bucks again. $25 is probably material cost for an oil change if you were to do it yourself or, you know, maybe that repair shop's got a sharper pencil because they're buying in bulk and volume. But let's use $25 as our barometer. They got to pay the guy to do it, all right? Now, you know, some of these vehicles, it's 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 real quick. It's lickety-split. It's seven, eight minutes, and the oil change is done. Of course, I don't know what they're really doing in that seven, eight minutes, which sort of defeats, in my mind, the whole purpose of the oil change. Because isn't the oil change, you know, meant as it's sort of like a stopgap on the trip, the journey for the car, where, you know, it's going to now get looked at and looked over. And, you know, what does the undercarriage look like? Uh, you know, what's, what's ready to fall out? What's damaged from the pothole hit? What's ruined from running over the turkey that ran across the highway? In the week before, that actually happened to me last week. I meant to tell you that, but uh, I avoided it. So the suburban's still intact. I don't know about the guy with the BMW to my left, but you know, um, I'm okay. So you know, what's all that worth to me? An oil changes easily twenty minutes to a half hour of shop time. By the time you road test it, oh, oh wait, your oil change place doesn't road test the car. So you're happy that the oil change, which has now gotten longer, right? Because it, it's Oil changes are anywhere from four to eight months before we actually do them, depending on how many miles you drive. So you're saying on average six months. You mean you don't want a mechanic looking at your car every six months to see what kind of shape it's in? You're comfortable with that? You're comfortable with putting your wife and kids or your, your husband and kids or your your family in that vehicle and letting them drive that in perpetuity without anybody really looking at it? Oh, wait, I know what the answer to that is. You're afraid the mechanic's going to rip you off, so... You're going to a mechanic you don't trust, 
but you're going to let them work on the car anyway because they're going to do a $39.95 oil change or, or whatever the case might be. You really got to look at this. This is a hard this is a hard lesson here, all right? The 39.95 oil change doesn't work because what always happens? They always try to sell you something. You ever notice that? Oh, gee, Mrs. Jones, you, you need a tire rotation. Gee, Mrs. Jones, you need a cabin filter. Gee, Mrs. Jones, you need an air filter. Gee, Mrs. Jones, you know, it's time for breaks. And it's it's and and you gotta be smarter than that, folks. You know, that 3995 oil change is is fishing with hand grenades. They're just trying to hit as many people as possible as they possibly can, do a cheap oil change, drag somebody in the door, not necessarily give the vehicle proper service, and get you to agree to something else. But yet you keep going back. You know, I can't tell you how many times during the course of the week I hear somebody say, yeah, I don't like going to so-and-so, they're a bad shop, or yeah, I know they can't really diagnose much, but they do a really cheap oil change, and I just go for the oil change. Well, you know, you've got to look at it too. Would you go to a doctor that gave cheap service but wasn't competent because, well, he gives a real good physical, but I wouldn't trust him to operate on me. Well, yeah, but you got to understand, if he's if he's giving you the physical, if he's doing the oil change, and he forgets to put the drain plug in and the oil falls out, he's the guy that's now going to do the engine. So you're, you're so, sort of elevating yourself into his world where he's going to be doing the service and the mechanical work anyway, the mechanical work you don't trust. So... You've got to think about that, that $39.95 oil change. Listen, maybe that's what you want. Maybe that's what you need. You know, what What? What started all this was I, I went for a physical this week, and I was talking to the nurse, and she was new, and she's telling me about she had gone to the local Nissan dealer for a $39.95 oil change, and every time I go, they try to sell me something. But why do you go for the $39.95 oil change? Well, because it's cheap, but you've got to expect them to sell you something. But why do they have to do that? Christina actually got the, the the first version of this story, all right, because I gave it to her in about six minutes. And, um, you know, she said, boy, that just makes a lot of sense. She also said, you know, you have a very good voice. You should be on radio. I kind of didn't want to go there with that, but I just sort of let it slide under the radar. You got to stop and think about it. You get what you pay for, right? Mama always said that, and Mama wasn't wrong. You know, it's 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 a conversation of, you know, what can you afford? That's a different conversation. One of the things I said to Christina, I said, why do you go for the cheap oil change? And beside the price, she said, well, you know, I lease the car and I want to put a lot of money in it. And you know what? I told her, keep doing the $39.95 oil change. It's their problem. The car is under warranty. If I leased a car and I was going to hand it back to them and I knew I was going to hand it back to them, good Lord, I'd do every $39.95 oil change, rotate the tires when they told me and down the road. I wouldn't care. I'd follow manufacturer's recommendation. I've said that for a long time on this show because I think it's all nonsense. I think when that car gets older, it's going to have mechanical issues, but that's not your responsibility. You're renting something from them, and they want to follow those guidelines. That's fine. But if you're keeping that car, if you're planning on driving that car to the 250 or 300,000 mile mark, you know, that thirty nine ninety five oil change, they're cutting corners somewhere because we already know it's 25 bucks in material. We already know it's if it's a half hour of time, we'll make it simple, and they're paying that guy 15 bucks an hour. 
that's seven fifty. So it's costing them thirty two fifty plus federal taxes, employee sales tax or employee payroll taxes, thirty five. They're making four dollars and ninety five cents, and that's going towards rent, or or mortgage, or taxes, or overhead, or lights, or insurance, and all the rest of the list. It doesn't make any sense. But you keep doing that thirty nine ninety five oil change because one thing I can tell you for sure: sooner or later, you're going to call me and you're going to have a problem that nobody else can fix because they can't fix the oil change because that's all they can do or they're not mechanically competent because their work isn't good enough to draw people in based on merit. And that's really what the 3995 oil change is about. They have to do a cheap oil change to attract customers because either their turnover is too high or they can't do the work right in the first place. And that's a problem. Prove me wrong. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy, the car doctor coming back right after this. For the best in car advice, give Ron a call, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Hey, let's get over to Peyton in Virginia Beach and see what's going on here. Peyton, welcome to The Car Doctor. How can I help? Yes, I have a 2005 Chevy Tahoe. And when I'm running the AC, it just happens randomly, not very often, but occasionally. It'll all of a sudden, the AC will do it a hot, hot air. Is is this and a? What I've learned is go ahead. what I've learned is all I got to do is turn it off and turn it back on, and the AC comes back on. All right. Is this a split system side to side? Can you can you can you uh, can you uh, change temperature from the left and the right side, or is what correct? You can. Yes. Okay. Both sides yes. blow hot air. Uh. Well, that's a good question. I I'm just. You know, I'm on the driver's side, and that's the only one I notice. Right. The next time it happens, um, put your hand over in front of the passenger side, if you can, because one of those right. one of the passenger side ducks. Because if I if I remember right, there's one vent on the left side. There's two in the center. Right. And then there's one on the far right. Correct. Correct. So those two in the center, one of those two should be for the left. One of those. T- should be for the right. And the way you could find out for sure is when the system's working, just just make one side hot, one side cold and you'll 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 get it. You'll see it. All right? So that'll prove that'll prove that what I'm stating is correct. All right? right. So th- the next time you're driving and it happens, does it happen to both sides or just one side? If it happens to one side and my suspicion is it's going to happen just to the driver's side, then I'm going to tell you you probably have a failing door actuator blend door actuator for the driver's side alone if it happens to both where they both start to blow hot like that then my next suggestion is going to be when when it happens find someplace safe pull over get out pop the hood and look at the ac compressor is the compressor clutch engaged simplest test right just do we is the compressor still on now if the compressor's on and it's still blowing hot air out of both sides. That's good information yeah. for the mechanic. My next step would be when we pull codes and not with an OBD2 code reader, we want to pull codes by year, make, model, by manufacturer, and specifically go look at the body computer, which controls the AC system on that vehicle. Do we have any blend door faults or blend door actuator faults? And take it from there. But I, I think what you're going to find is. 
it's going to be the left side is hot and the right side is cold. And if that's the case, you're probably going to find a B as in Baker 0413 Blendor actuator driver side fault code. And that's going to be the issue. It's it's losing its position and it just defaults to hot. The reason okay. car the, the reason car manufacturers do that, just a little bit of automotive trivia, is because back in the seventies, yeah, I'm that old. Back in the seventies, <laughs> General General Motors had a vacuum controlled uh, blend door position, and when it went bad, it defaulted to cold. And people would freeze to death in the car. So they, you know, all the lawsuits that encountered, um, they decided instead to make it reverse now. So now when the AC system has a fault or the heating control system has a fault, it defaults to hot because nobody complains about being too hot in the winter. They only complain about freezing to death, if you get my point. Right. Um, right. So that's... Okay, that's, a, blend, a blend door actuator, is yeah. that what you said? Think of the front door to your house, all right? You got a front door on the house, right? Right. If, if you if if it's stuffy in the room and you want to let more air in, what do you do? You walk over, you turn the knob, you pull the door open, and then then when it gets too cold or somebody tells you it's too cold, even though you think it's hot, you go to close the door. You're the actuator. You're the control. All right. On on top right. of on top of the evaporator case, which is the control unit for the heating ventilation system under the dashboard, there's a series of doors. All right. There's an evaporator coil, which is where the cold air is made, and there's a heater core, which is where the hot air is made. They just change position of the door to blow hot or cold air. Well, they couldn't fit you in the dash, so they've got a little electric motor with a series of plastic gears sitting on top of the door. The computer command says, hey, put it at step number 155, or put it at position 20, or put it at... Okay, it, 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 it mathematically knows where it wants it to be. If it can't read it or the gear's failing or the motor's failing, it defaults to hot automatically. Does restarting it give an indication of anything? Yeah, it, it tells me. restarted, it, 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 it works. Right, it tells me we're resetting something, and that's typically when the actuators go bad, they reset. Because it only takes a momentary glitch. It only takes a, you know, if during the course of right. our conversation... There was static, and you couldn't hear one second of the conversation. You ever have anybody leave a message on your answering machine? Because this happens at the shop all the time. It makes me crazy. They call, they leave a message, and, you know, my phone number is 201-55-7892. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're going, right. gee, let's guess what that last digit is, but, you know, because they were on a bad connection. If the actuator has a bad connection and it just misses one digital digit, that, that throws the system into default. Right, I got you. All right. Uh, one other question. Yeah. It's a 2005, and it seems like it's a little rough. Would it be worth it to change shocks? The ride? You mean yeah. it rides rough? Well, I'm just wondering if shocks, new shocks would make it better. How many miles are on this, Peyton? It's only like 103,000. Okay. So it's low mileage. So you like the truck? Yes. Have you owned it since new, or you bought it used, or what's the story? I bought it two or three, about two years old. Yeah. When it was two years old. When it was two years yeah. old, is that what you said? Okay. Well, See, well, maybe, maybe three, 2005. I think I got it in 2009. All right. Bottom line, you've had it so, at least, you've had it a good 10, 12 years. Yes. Right. 
So, you know, before you spend any money on it, I'm just being cautious, just being devil's advocate, all right? I would take it to my mechanic. You got a good regular mechanic, a guy you like, a guy you trust? Yeah. All right. You know, spend an hour of his time. Tell him to go over it if he hasn't already. And just, you know, listen, I'm thinking of putting some money in the truck. I want to keep it because obviously it's tough finding a car now, and it's real expensive to get another Tahoe. We had a customer in the shop the other day, a Tahoe. She spent $83,000 right down to the heated coffee cup holders. Um, <laughs> you know, Yeah, start thinking about that, right? So, uh, right. you know, spend an hour of his time. Let him look at the brakes. Let him look at the shocks, tires, any major fluid leaks. What do the brake lines look like? What do the fuel lines look like? What kind of rust is underneath the truck? And if, well, if all that gets I, a clean I, I bill of health... I, I keep it... Go ahead. I keep, I keep it uh, up, Kev upkeep uh, pretty good all right i'm just wondering if the shocks yes shocks could definitely they cause typically wear out oh yeah absolutely especially at this age shocks can surely cause a rough ride my point is before you spend what could just even if you did it yourself it's going to be five six hundred dollars for a decent set of four shocks for a truck like that before you spend the money because of the age because of the pattern of failures and the way rust will take out breaking fuel lines on those vehicles have it looked at or look at it yourself and verify it before you spend the bucks. But by all means, a nice set of shocks will definitely help it ride better. I'm Ron and in the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the car doctor at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions, whatever you got going on. Let's go over and talk to uh, Brady in Virginia. Brady, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Hey, Ron. I appreciate your help. Uh, when I, I bought a 2009 GMC Sierra uh, about three years ago. Okay. And when I bought it, the uh, cruise control was working pretty well. And then it kind of went to, like, working three-quarters of the time when I hit the, the switch. And then somebody suggested uh, about, you know, a couple months ago that I go on the control panel and reset the, hit it to reset the factory settings. And okay. when I did that, it got, a lot, it got a lot worse. And now it's, like, maybe a quarter of the time it'll work. All right. So has anybody tried to diagnose this, any attempts other than you know the, the brother-in-law method uh no not yet okay so we want to we want to hook a scan tool up and we're looking to see if it's got a p0573 p0573 is an indication that the brake light switch is possibly faulty or sending an input request when the vehicle is in motion at the wrong time it's got that it's got that sensibility it will also occur, the vehicle's on cruise, and if the brake light switch input isn't clean, it's not a, it's not a complete on-off signal. It's more of a digital-type signal. It will cause that cruise to be disabled. Okay. All right? So, and I'm not saying, I'm not telling you to rush out tomorrow and replace the brake light switch. All right? By any, yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just telling you that when it comes to intermittence, the highest failure rate occurs with the brake light switch on those vehicles, and you want to be sure that if you do replace it, you get a good quality part. 
All right, because I've seen guys chase their tail. They'll buy the cheapest, and I'm not saying you would. I'm just saying, you know, I've seen guys buy the cheapest brake light switch they can, and they've still got the same problem because they didn't verify what they wanted to ver what they needed to verify. What I would do if we were at the shop having the conversation, we'd hook up a scan tool, and we would go down and look at body module because I believe that's in body module cruise control on that vehicle, and there's actually going to be a PID. There's actually going to be a piece of data parameter. That will tell us brake brake pedal applied, yes, no. And I would take that car for a ride and I would I would just put it in movie mode and monitor it. And if the cruise stopped working and I've got it on movie, you know what? All I've got to do is go back to the point where the cruise was disabled and there's actually a pit for cruise on off. It'll say on off. Put that right underneath the brake light switch. And I'd probably only put two or three up. Speed, engine load, engine speed, um, brake light switch and cruise, take it for a ride. And if I could catch uh -huh. it, if I could catch it in movie mode where it says brake brake pedal applied, and I know I didn't apply the brake pedal, guess what? Either I've got an electrical wiring harness problem, something that's telling it the brake pedal's applied when it's not, or I've got a bad brake pedal. Uh, brake pedal switch. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. That's so a, yeah, there is. You know, every once in a great while, you know, I have it in cruise control, and it'll just go out by itself. Right. Yep. You could try and annoy it, put it in cruise control, get yourself up on the highway. And I like to do all this kind of testing when nobody's around because somehow you get lost in the diagnosis. You could be surprised at things you almost hit um, when you're not paying attention. And um, if you get it in cruise control mode and real gentle, tap the brake pedal, not, not apply sideways. Annoy it. Yeah. You know, kick it with your foot a little bit. Tap it with your foot a little bit. All right. You know, you want to see if you create some noise down there by the brake pedal switch. Does it create enough of a problem that it actually turns it off? You know, if you had a, okay. if you had a scan tool hooked up to it, that would be great because you're looking at information. I, I can't tell you, you know, 20 years ago, we hooked up scan tools for check engine lights. And maybe 25. Yeah. All right. Now, yeah. we hook a scan tool up for everything. If the blinkers don't work. <laughs> we hook a scan tool up right. because it all goes through yeah. a computer. I had a Ford Edge. Here, I'll tell you a quick story. I had a Ford Edge this week. The headlights would go out after a period of time. And I had to go right. through due diligence diagnosis, looking at body computer, PCM, headlight switch, because the headlight switch wasn't really a switch. It was an input control. It applied input to the body module, telling it it was requesting headlights to be on, and then the body module made the decision to ground the relay to turn the headlights on. <laughs> so I could actually go in and look. If I turn the headlights on, yes, request. The headlights are out. Okay. I went out and I measured voltage at the headlight connector. I think I told you guys this story last week. It was in the last week at the beginning of this. So I don't remember which. They all kind of blend together after a while. And it had two bad bulbs in it. I can't. I, you know. So, but those are the things you're looking for. All right. I can't tell you how, how important okay. that, that scan tool is in, in a case like this. Now, the other thing this could okay. be just for, just, just for giggles. All right. Just to mention, I have seen okay. in this particular series of trucks, not just the Sierras, but the, you know, the GM equivalents, the Chevrolet equivalents, right. uh, wrong brake right. light, wrong brake light bulbs or, or a problem with brake light bulbs. Uh, short to power, turning on, energizing the circuit, and killing cruise control as well. 
That, okay, well, I haven't changed any of those, so right. they were the same. So they should be the same. Yeah. All right, but I just, well, yeah. I, listen, anytime I give you guys diagnoses, I always try to be specific, yeah. but, but you know, I try to give you as, you know, the weird stuff I've seen. But general, yeah. Yeah, you know, just because yeah. it's 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 good for me to bring it up to the top of my head every once in a while, it airs it out. Um, so. Okay, no, normally I'd, I'd go, like, to O'Reilly's and have them scan it. They won't see it. Would well, they, they might. Oh. Because it is a powertrain fault, but they may not see it if it's not emissions related. They would have to go in and scan it on a year make model basis. So you have to ask okay. them how are they do you understand what I mean when I say that, Brady? Yeah. I All understand right. different scans. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's you know, like how many languages do you speak? Just out of curiosity. English? You speak one? Uh well, I speak three, but not fluently. Okay, but so you speak English, that's OBD2, all right? Yeah. And what's the second language you speak? Uh, Spanish. Okay, so that's that's your make model manufacturer specific. See. But you're only one person. See? See. Right? So, you know, that's why, you know... You've got to ask O'Reilly Auto Parts when they do this, are they scanning this as OBD2? Or are they scanning this as your make model? Your make model okay. for something like this is more where you want to be because then you're going to get more complete information. All right? And then okay. if it is a, if it is a 573 model. and it is a brake light switch, you can get one at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Ask them, you know, what's the best quality they've got, and they've got some good stuff there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, because... My dad always said he couldn't afford to buy cheap. Right. You can't afford to buy cheap. Well, you can afford to buy cheap once, then you learn the lesson. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right? All right. Thank you, Ron. You're very welcome, sir. Call me if you need more. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anany in The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the car doctor. Let's get over and talk to Pete in Pennsylvania. What's going on, Peter? How are you? Hi. Good. Thanks for taking the call. You're welcome, sir. Um, I drive um, a car that has has some older has a lot of miles on. I don't know if that has anything to do with the problem. Um, I noticed that if I have to come to a stop quickly, if I have to hit the brake pedal kind of hard. The car stalls out very often. Okay. Um, I'm usually able to turn it off and turn it on again. Occasionally, it'll also happen if I'm going up a steep embankment. All right. When 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 you say a lot of miles, Pete, how many how many miles is a lot? Uh, two twenty. Yeah, it's just broken in. It's not a lot. So, um, <laughs> what's what sort of maintenance has this has this Rav Four had? Regular oil changes, regular service, V six or four cylinder too. By the way, four cylinder. It's a four-cylinder. Yeah, okay. I've had uh, regular maintenance on it, um, oil changes every um, three or 4,000 miles. Yeah, and who's doing the service work? You know, uh, uh, just a local um, mechanic. Okay. Um, you know, has he ever cleaned the throttle body, do you know? I don't know. Okay. Um, how long do you live in your house? About five years. All right. And before that, right, you lived in a place a while. So you ever notice every once in a while you got to clean the windows? Yeah. And once in a while you got to clean around the front door sill because dirt builds up and affects airflow. 
you get what I'm saying? Okay. So, yeah. So an engine breathes through its throttle body, all right? A throttle body, if, if, you, if you didn't know, is just it's, it's a round cylindrical opening with a plate in front of it. And when you push down on the pedal, you're actually opening that round plate. Well, that round plate in the closed position is kind of like when you just crack the front door of the house open a quarter inch, just a little bit of airflow through. All right. But, you know, over time, if you left the front door cracked that quarter inch and we went through the spring season and all the pollen built up because it would drag itself in front of that crack, it would start to block and prevent airflow, correct? Right. O- over time, that, that round throttle plate inside that round throttle bore does the same thing. So the computer is pretty smart. It can compensate up to a limit, and then it gets to the end of its electronic adjustment so to speak and it's electronic programming and it says hey i i don't know what to do here pete you got to help me out all right and it stalls so you know it's a pretty simple straightforward procedure he needs to follow guidelines and just clean the throttle body sometimes it's easier to take the throttle body off because if it's really gunked up you can get at it from behind and really clean it out and, and and get all the carbon deposits off all right and then, and obviously, okay. and obviously, if it's really terrible, I would check the PCV valve, make sure it's got good crankcase ventilation going on. I've seen sometimes higher mileage cars, the PCV isn't isn't working properly, and that creates excessive crankcase pressure, and the, that's why the throttle body got excessively dirty. But it could also be age. And then when he cleans the throttle body, puts it all back together, then he's going to find now the idle speed is going to do what? It's going to idle high, and it's going to idle high. Because now you're adding more air to it, so the computer's trying to compensate for it. It's seeing greater airflow across the mass airflow sensor, and it's completely confused. So to prevent the phone call, although I like talking to you, Pete, um, to prevent the phone call back next week, he's going to have to do an idle relearn, which on that particular Toyota is real simple. Pull both battery cables off and tie the cables, not the battery, tie the cables together. All right, with a with it with a jumper, and bleed down the computer's memory. All right, and what that's going to do is that's going to put the computer back into default, and now it will learn as if the vehicle were new. Oh, okay, M- makes sense. Yeah, we have to thought, we, yeah. we have to reeducate it. It just it just needs a little help. All right, and then um, put it all okay. back together, clean everything up, and you know you should be fine. But I would start with before I got crazy and started looking for bigger issues. Obviously, you know steps, steps, steps. Scan it for codes. I don't care if the check engine lights on or not. Scan it for codes. All right. Does it have anything pending? I would look at codes. I would look at fuel trim. I would look at throttle angle. All right. If throttle angle is excessive then maybe we've got so much carbon in there, it's jamming the plate open. Again, looking for what's good, I'll tell you what's bad. All right? It's always good to have information and numbers, and it's quick and easy to do. All right. All right, Thank you very much. You're very welcome. You'll be well. Thank you. Yes, sir. Always fun to hear from somebody. See, I knew Pete was from Altoona. I should have told him I was there a couple of weeks ago. I could have stopped it and... I didn't have my tools with me. I'm sorry. What tools? 855-560-9900. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. We're on the, the Car Doctor. Let's go get one more. Let's go get Chris in Indiana. Chris, I've got about three minutes, brother. What's going on? 
Okay. I have a 2000 Oldsmobile Alero. Okay. And the problem I'm having is, is when I go to drive down the road, it doesn't seem to want to shift out of second gear or first gear, really. And the RPMs will just climb up and, and I'll be rolling at three to 4,000 RPMs just to get up to speed. It'll okay. drive just fine. If I'm in town driving, going, you know, 25, 30, 40, but once you start to hit a higher speed, it, it doesn't seem to want to shift into another gear. All right. But it doesn't give me any problems going in reverse, going in drive. Nothing. But but it'll have it has first and second. It just doesn't seem to have third and fourth. Exactly. Okay. So you know, obviously, the easy answer is, hey, Chris, you need a transmission. All right. Yeah. But before we go there, because that's easy enough for a shop to check out. Um, any dashboard warning lights on? Any check engine light? Anything like that? Yeah. Okay. Have you scanned it for codes? Yeah, it gave me some. Uh, it gave me some like uh, cylinder misfire code. All right. Did it give you a P zero one twenty two? Anything with throttle position sensor? Uh, I don't know. All right. So let me tell you, let me tell you the weird stuff because the easy stuff is hey Chris it needs a trans and I think you can deal with right. that. I've all right. Heard that. Yeah, so I've got I, that one. I want to I, I, I want to tell you the one that nobody's going to find. That's my job. Okay. All right. Yeah, so you. this thank particular you. generation GM product would set a P zero one twenty two, which affects throttle position sensor. If the throttle position sensor is out of range, reading incorrectly, setting a fault code, losing its five volt reference, it will affect transmission operation. I don't believe it's going to be your case. I just want to mention this, all right? So you could have a bad throttle position sensor affecting transmission operation and cause it not to shift. Now, the weird one is the fuel tank pressure sensor or the high side AC pressure switch will fail or there'll be a wiring issue. They are on the same 5-volt feed that will affect throttle position sensor that will affect transmission operation. So you could have a bad FTP or a bad AC pressure switch. The trans won't shift. You'll tear your hair out looking for it. That's the weird story that I want you to know. Till the next time, I'm Ron Anani and the Car Doctor reminding all of you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. See ya.